Today we begin a new four-week series called I Am Jesus. Now we're putting that together, and then I knew I was going to stand up here and say I am Jesus, and some of you could misinterpret that. I am not saying that I am Jesus. Matter of fact, I am far from it. But Jesus made some statements that were I am statements, and in that he's saying I am Jesus, and here is who I am as Jesus. The Gospel of John actually covers and talks about seven of those very distinct statements, and we're going to talk about four of them over the next four weeks. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never hunger again. He said, I am the gate or I am the door by which you enter. Now those are three that we're not going to cover in this four-week series, but next week we're going to cover when he said, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. The following week we're going to look at the statement when he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. And the fourth week we're going to look at the statement when he said, I am The vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Some very distinct statements that he has made that influence and affect our lives as people. Today, though, I want to cover the statement that most closely goes with today, Resurrection Sunday, when he said this in John 11, 25, and Brianna already referred to it, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. It's interesting. When Jesus made this statement, it was in the middle of a trial or a difficult situation of life for some people. The people in this this time are dealing with a major curveball of life, so to speak. You ever dealt with curveballs of life? Things that don't always go the way you think they should be going and all of a sudden life comes at you and something else happens? Perhaps it's something you did. Perhaps it's of no fault of your own. Your life seems to be sometimes sidetracked or perhaps you're not where you thought you would be at at this stage of life as you look back and thought, well, by this age or by this time in life, I'd be much further along. Some of the big side trackers can sometimes be an illness when it's announced you have, and you fill in the blank, a, a, a relationship that has gone sour. Maybe it's marriage problems. Maybe it's unexpected death of a loved one, a job loss, unforeseen bills, just to name a few. And you come here this Easter Sunday, and you're going, I need to go to church on Sunday to celebrate Jesus, but at the same time, you're dealing with some curveballs of life. I want us today to look at two stories that my hope and my prayer is if you're walking through some curveballs because they can get us worried or discouraged or upset, my hope and prayer is that you'll walk out of here with some hope for the situation you're in. I hope these two stories will change the way you look at life's curveballs. No matter how much life gets off track, at least from our viewpoint, because sometimes we feel like it's way off track and God's going, I got it all in control, don't worry, I have it in my hands. Even though maybe we've messed up life or we've made a mistake, there is hope in the resurrection because nothing is impossible with God. you believe that? Here's what I want you to get today. Jesus is our hope when we feel hopeless. 
Jesus is our hope when we feel hopeless and absolutely nothing is impossible with God. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 11. If you have a paper Bible or you have it on your tablet or your iPad or or on your phone or smart device, whatever it is, I want to look at several verses here in John chapter 11 and just get the highlights of what's going on in this story. John chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was, Two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Verse 17, on his, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know He'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even though He dies. And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was was and saw Him, she fell at His feet and said, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time... There is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. I like what the King James says there. It says, his body stinketh much. That's what's going on. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, have, that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. It's a very interesting story. It's a very powerful story and there's a lot of meaning there for us. Jesus' friends, Martha and Mary, send a messenger to let Jesus know that their brother Lazarus was sick. By the time Jesus receives this message, Lazarus was probably 
already dead because it takes time to get message across from one town to another town and get it to Jesus. But rather than rushing back to the town of Bethany, be with Martha and Mary, Jesus continues His ministry. He continues to hang out and like, I've got some things to finish up and some things I want to do. And so He doesn't turn around and rush back. By the time they arrived in Bethany, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Four days. And when Jesus was at the edge of town, Martha heard that Jesus' arrival. She went to greet Him. And look at the first words out of her mouth in verse 21. If you had been here, my brother would have not died. I think she's upset. Would you not be upset? Wait a minute. Jesus, Lazarus is your friend. And you were not here. You let me down. I think there's, there's some upsetness in her voice. You could have prevented this. You could have stopped this somehow, some way. But I also think in that statement, there's some, a statement of faith being shared. A statement of faith in her belief that says, if you were here, Jesus, surely you would have healed Lazarus. So there's some belief that he has the power to heal. Some belief that he could have done something. And so she's wrestling between her emotions of, I am upset at you, God. I am upset at you, Jesus. At the same time, I have faith in you. Does it sound familiar? Ever happened in your life where you're like, I am mad at you, God. Why is this going on at the same time? Wait a minute, I still believe in you. Events did not happen the way that Martha and her sister Mary anticipated what they thought would happen. In her mind, she must have thought, surely Jesus will show up and save the day and He'll make everything better and He'll heal my brother. She's thinking, as soon as Jesus hears word, I mean, He's on the fastest donkey He can get on. Let's go. And they're going to get there and get to town as quick as they can. But it hasn't happened that way. Jesus took His time getting to Bethany. In fact, Jesus purposely delayed the trip two extra days. Didn't show up until four days after Lazarus was dead. Life was not going the way that Mary and Martha and the other friends anticipated. Her brother wasn't supposed to die. And after all, this is Jesus' good friend. He was supposed to do something. How could Jesus allow something like this to actually happen to His friend? Even her expectations of Jesus were shattered because Jesus did not go, did not do what Martha thought He would do. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've wondered, God, I've wondered, Jesus, why have You allowed this to happen to me? I think about when my dad died all of a sudden of a heart attack and I did not get a chance to say goodbye. I had those conversations with God and saying, God, I just wanted to say at least goodbye. Remember the moment. And some of you walked through some of those kinds of trials. I thought you were my friend. I remember standing in a shower at times, talking to God, crying, thinking, God, why didn't you do something? You could have made this happen some other way. And you have those questions sometimes. Sometimes it feels as though God lets us down. Even if we may have deserved what we received, we still think God could have helped us out some way, somehow, and maybe what you're walking through right now, the curveball you're facing, you're thinking, God, where are you? Why don't you do something? Here's the thing that I've learned, though, through life. God doesn't always respond the way we expect. He doesn't always respond the way we expect. But we can still have hope in the situation. I told you there's two stories I wanted to look at 
first one's about Lazarus. Let me just give you the highlights of the second story because most of you are feel pretty familiar with it. It's probably why you're in church today. It's about the death of Jesus. Instead of dying of sickness like Lazarus, Jesus was intentionally killed. Very purposefully. Jesus was arrested by the religious leaders. He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane on Mount of Olives, and He was betrayed by one of His own disciples. One of His own disciples pointed Him out and said, here, this is the man. And the religious leaders wanted Jesus dead because He called God His Father and even made Himself equal to God. And in their ears, that was blasphemy. They were saying that He was saying He is God and they, were, they, they saw that as speaking profanities against God and they believed He deserved death. And after a, a shameful of a trial, they brought Jesus before the Roman governor Pilate who flogged Jesus 39 times with a whip that had nine strands on it, with the ends of it filled with lead or rock or cut glass or something along those lines. So by the time they've whipped him, his back is shred to pieces and the normal man or woman would never survive that kind of beating. But he's still alive. And you know what happens. They take him then, have him carry his own cross to pick up the wooden beam, carry it on his own back as he goes through the streets of Jerusalem to Golgotha. He was nailed and crucified between two criminals. And after six hours of hanging on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., he finally dies. You know what happened on the cross? If you ever studied that and looked at what scientists say, you're on the cross in order to breathe. He had to pull himself up to get a breath. And he had to use his feet that were nailed to the cross and his hands. And for six hours, he, he was on the cross trying to get his breath. For six hours, going through one more torture, he finally, he finally gave up his spirit. He dies and two wealthy followers of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, took his body placed it in a brand new tomb that had never been used before, and a huge stone was rolled in front of that tomb, and two guards are posted to make sure that no one comes to steal or mess with the body. Curveball. Curveball. Only this time, Jesus' followers and His friends were sidetracked. See, they expected a king. They didn't expect a martyr. They were looking for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Events didn't go as they had planned. Jesus was supposed to become king. He was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He wasn't supposed to die in their eyes. Even though Jesus taught that and shared that and tried to let them know this is going to come, they didn't get it. I'm sure they were wondering, what are we going to do now? He was supposed to be our king. In both situations, life was not going as planned. From their viewpoint at the time, it seemed as though God's plan had failed or at least it had been derailed. And fortunately, we know neither of these stories in there. It's not the end of the story. In both cases, Jesus did something so incredible that no one expected it. They didn't see it coming. Jesus brought hope that God had planned something better for their life. God's plan was not sidetracked at all. God was going to use that very situ situation in both situations to reveal His glory. To point back to Him. To point to the fact that there is a God who loves us and a God who brings hope in the most terrible, horrible situations. A few years ago, the movie The Passion of the Christ came out and there was a scene where Jesus is carrying the cross to Golgotha, Calvary, on the Via Della Rosa. 
And Jesus stumbles and His mother Mary comes down before Him and holds Him up. And they do a little flashback to His childhood when Jesus was a boy and Jesus fell down and scraped up His knees. And in the, video, in the movie it says, Jesus says, I, made all, I make all things new. Now the account of Jesus falling and everything, that's just liberties of the movie world. But Jesus does make all things new. This resurrection Easter points to the fact that Jesus makes all things new. That Jesus takes the bleakest of situations and He brings something new to it. In the first story, Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Jesus did not see Lazarus' death as God's derailed plan. Rather, Jesus knew God had a better plan all along and that there was hope. Even though Mary and Martha and others who have been around would never didn't understand it in a moment. Unfortunately, Martha misunderstood what Jesus was saying. She thought Jesus was saying one of those comforting words you say to people at a funeral. Kind of like, I'm so sorry your loved one has passed. You'll be with him again. You'll get a chance to see him again when we say that, usually referring to in heaven, on the other side of death. And what Jesus was saying was not in the future, but today your brother will rise again. Today there will be new life. We know that Martha misunderstood it because she, she replied and said, I know He'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. She's thinking about the future. She's not thinking about now. And Martha believed Lazarus would rise again at the day of the resurrection, but she had no clue that Jesus meant this very day. Look what John eleven twenty five 25 says again, I am the resurrection and the life. He, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he asks the question, do you believe this? Do you believe it? What Martha did not realize at that moment was not only that there would one day be a resurrection of the body, but she at that moment was standing directly in the front of resurrection Himself. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. He did not say, I will be the resurrection. He did not say, one day I will rise. She was standing before the resurrection in Jesus. All the power to resurrect, to bring back life, to transform and to make new was in the hands of the One with whom she was at that moment standing there talking to. The dark valley of the shadow of death she had entered just four days earlier was about to be visited by only one person on the planet who possessed the power greater than death. When Jesus said there's only one there's only one condition to receiving this promise. So you need to believe. Believe I am the one who gives life even in the midst of death. Believe I am the one who gives eternal life so that you will never die even though your physical body decays. He's saying to her, believe in me. Martha's response showed her faith and her lack of faith though. She said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. And I'd venture to say most in this room probably say, I agree with that. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. But that isn't exactly what Jesus was asking her to believe. Jesus asked her to believe that He is the resurrection and the life. Did she really believe Jesus could do something about her brother who was dead for four days? Is what Jesus is really asking. Do you really believe I can handle this situation of your brother who's been dead for four days? When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, He ordered them to move the stone from the tomb. And it was Martha 
who is the first one to protest. Look what she says in verse 39. But Lord, by this time, there is a bad odor, stinketh much, for he has been there for four days. See, even though she believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, she still doubted He had the power to bring life out of death. Sure, Jesus had the power to heal, but this is different. See, in Jewish culture, they believed after three days of a body being dead, the spirit and the soul had left that body, and so by day four, then that body is completely dead. There's no life in it whatsoever. According to early Jewish writings, see, in Martha's mind, not even Jesus, no act of God could bring her brother back to life because he was too far gone. He was too far on down the path. There was no rescuing this Lazarus who's been dead for four days. Let me ask you a question this Easter morning. Do you think your problems are too far gone for the Son of God? Do you think whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever curveball life is being thrown at you, do you think they're too far gone? Whether it's a busted relationship, a marriage, a child too far gone, a job, your health, do you think you're too far gone for Jesus to bring you back from the dead? Not literally, of course, but whatever the situation is, to bring life to it again? Or is your mindset, oh, it's too far gone. There's no way of it being rescued. See, you may be in belief like Martha that Jesus is the Christ of the Son of God, but do you believe He is really the resurrection and the life that He can restore and renew and bring life into things that are broken and messed up and hurting and falling apart? And in your eyes you say there is no hope, but do you believe He is really the hope of the world and can restore what you're walking through? Are you limiting Jesus' work in your life by thinking this situation or this relationship, it's just too far gone. Look at Jesus' response to Martha's protest. Verse 40, He says, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus was saying, If you believe I am the resurrection and life, you're going to move this stone away from the tomb and you will witness the power and the glory of God. You will allow me to do Something in your brother's life. I love what happens next. They move the stone out of the way. That's an act of faith. They roll the stone, the body odor comes out, and it's an act of faith. Like, what's he really going to do? And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The Scripture tells us Lazarus comes out. He's wrapped in the burial cloth. They They take the burial cloth off of him, and he goes on about his way. Where is God crying out in your life, Lazarus, come out. Where is He crying out in your life? Where is He wanting to do a work in you to renew and to bring life into your situation? By raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus proved that nothing is impossible for Him. Not even death was impossible to overcome because He is the resurrection and the life. Now, John's Gospel tells us that Jesus is also the author of life. He helped God the Father create the world in the beginning. He helped create you and me. John 1-4 tells us in Him, which is in Jesus, is life. It should not surprise us that nothing is possible for Him because He can bring into life and He can bring the dead to life. On a Sunday morning almost 2,000 years ago, Mary Magdalene, Simon Peter, 
and John, they went to the tomb of Jesus and they discovered it was empty. The stone is gone. Jesus' body was gone. The only things that left behind was the burial clothes, which were very neatly wrapped, were basically laid there where Jesus was left, and not even death could contain Jesus. On that day when Jesus rose from the tomb, it was like an exclamation point on Jesus' statement to Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus demonstrated that He didn't just have the power to bring people back from the dead only to die once again, because that's what would happen with Lazarus. Lazarus was given life, but eventually he would die again. But in Jesus' resurrection, He proved that He had and has power over death itself. It's mind-boggling for us to even wrap our minds around. When Jesus was was resurrected, He didn't have a body which would decay and die again. Jesus had a new body. He he had a resurrected body, a new life which which could never be conquered by death again. I believe Jesus wants us to realize this Easter, the very power, the resurrection and life is in Him and He's still very much alive today. He's still very much working and moving and wants to work and move in your life today. Like Jesus' reply to Martha, if you only believe, you would see God's glory. What is it that seems hopeless to you this morning? What are you walking through where you need hope and Jesus is saying to you, do you believe? If Jesus, through His own death and resurrection, has made this resurrection life available to us today, don't you think Jesus can bring hope to your hopeless situation? Don't you think that Jesus can resurrect a broken relationship? Don't you think Jesus can resurrect a broken marriage? Don't you think Jesus can resurrect hopeless situations and hopeless people and where situations you think there is no hope, they're too far gone? If Jesus has power over death, He surely has power over the situation you're walking through today. He was not just referring to this life, He's also referring to eternal life. As Jesus promised, if we believe He is a resurrection and life, even though we die, we shall live. That means we have the opportunity for eternity. We have hope that our lives will not end in death because of the resurrection. I want you to think about the curveballs you've experienced in life. Or maybe the curveball you're facing right now, the broken expectations, the lost dreams. Is it possible that God has allowed you to, to endure these experiences so Jesus can bring you to the tomb and ask you, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe I am the Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe, will you trust that nothing is impossible with God? No situation, no person, nothing is too far beyond God's power and grace to save. He can forgive you, forgive me, no matter where we are in this journey of life. He can give us a new life. The question this morning is, do you really believe? Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for giving us Jesus who has power over death. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus conquered the grave. And Lord, give us hope to know that if He can conquer the grave, He can conquer whatever the trial, the challenge, the difficulty, the hardship, 
the curveball that we're walking through, Father, we know that Jesus can hit it out of the park. God, this Easter, I ask that you would bring hope. God, sometimes we walk into Easter Sunday morning and sometimes we can have that mindset. I've heard this before. Sometimes we can wonder, well, what's it going to be different? Lord, I pray this Easter is different because we walk out of here and we have a new hope because we believe that He is the resurrection and He is the life. Father, help us to walk in our daily walk believing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life no matter what we're walking through. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.